This is episode 124 of G.I. Joeberg. My name's Steve, and it's a month after G.I. JoeCon, and I still got the glow. Who else have I got in the mix? Uh, Paul's got the glow too. Who else is with us tonight? Um, Robert, he's, he's, he's definitely not a glamorous lady of wrestling, but um, he, he enjoys <laughs> toys. Oh, I love that show. You're making me think of my flight back, of our return flight. Anyway, carry Don't on. Don't sell yourself short, Cujo, on the West Coast. Ooh. I feel like talking about G.I. Joe. You've come to the right yes, place. Yes, yes, Boys, boys. <laughs> uh, the format this evening is pretty open-ended. Uh, it's been a while since uh, the four of us have uh, been in the mix together. In fact, uh, aside from our card art battle with the lovely Chris McCloud from Full Force, this will be the first time we've chatted uh, in this format since... 2005. Chattanooga. Washington, D.C. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, oh, that one, yeah. The, the, the nation's capital. The capital of the world. Guys, I've been doing quite a bit of reflecting on G.I. Joe Con. I don't know about you guys, but, like, where your head's at about stuff at this point. Our our place in the world. And and the toys that you brought home's place on your shelf. Hmm. Hmm. Deep well, question. Any, okay, yeah, I... Anything come to mind? Well... I'm very happy that I've managed to fit everything that I brought back onto my shelf and into my room. Which is <laughs> Before that happened, though, <laughs> how you managed to fit everything that you took back from the States into your suitcase. Oh, I, Guys, <laughs> I, did, I pulled, we achieved an impressive feat. Thank you, man. I put in 150%, but I have to you know, give credit to my, my traveling mentor, uh, a man by the name of Mr. Stephen Jabber. Who has single-handedly brought over a Millennium Falcon and an AT-AT uh, through customs on two separate occasions, as well as other big box items. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I could have done it without you, dude. <laughs> you had the right amount of zen. I had the right amount of I don't give a poop when I had this stuff with me, and it just definitely got me through. <laughs> well, there was a practicalities concern that we had to, to play with, because we were like... Going sightseeing in a in a major way, we couldn't have each taken two massive bags. Uh, it was you, Rob, that alerted me to that fact. I was like, "Eh, don't worry, we'll have one bag each for clothing and one bag each for toys." And you were like, "That means we're taking six large items of luggage." Yeah. How's that gonna fit in the rental car? How's that gonna fit in a bus? How's that gonna fit inside? the subway you know like as we transit so yeah you made me see sense but that did of course leave us with the rather impressive tetris puzzle <laughs> that was you know maneuvering three gentlemen three toy fans uh uh toy fixes shall we say um at the most impressive toy event of our of our brief lives <laughs> uh and and of course the need to you know have more than three pairs of underwear. Also, the shuffle was epic. It it was. It, I mean, I I've learned how to disassemble an MCC. Uh, something I didn't think I would have to do too soon, but I I did it <laughs> before we left. I disassembled an MCC. Was it hair raising? It I was. Mean, I was out. You guys did it together while I was. I don't know where where the hell was I. You were. With um, 
You were with your, I think, with your actor friend. No, you were going to go watch. You went to go watch a movie. I think you went to go watch Solo. It was the day that you went to go watch Solo. Oh, oh. I thought you guys had done it while we were in Chattanooga. Dun, dun, dun. No, no, that was just too much. Effort. And oh man, why did you have to put it on record that I went to see Solo? Because uh. uh. people have to know your shame. <laughs> well, shame. You know, there are extenuating circumstances. <laughs> I was hanging out with my, my my high school friend in New York, and he was like, have you seen Solo? I was like, mm, I'm kind of off the Disney Star Wars thing um, for various reasons, but, like, you know, I don't don't feel like supporting it. Uh, so, sorry, man, like, I know you want to see this movie, but... And then he went on to say, Stephen, you're one of my oldest friends. You introduced me to Star Wars. We're in the same city in this big wide world on the same day and there's a new Star Wars movie in theaters that neither of us have seen and I, I had to agree with uh, his rather compelling argument at the time Stan <laughs> is a motivational speaker so he's pretty compelling all of the time but uh, yeah no, I, I, I caved I saw Solo Ugh. I'm so sorry it wasn't terrible well you but, you know, I mean, that's the problem right there you just said it wasn't terrible <laughs> um, that, that doesn't mean it was good. You just, yeah. It wasn't well bad. It was, Ooh, it was pretty it just, harmless. It was another movie. Like, ooh. It's no Empire Strikes Back, but, ooh, you know. It doesn't compel me to see Episode Nine, if that's anything to go by. I'm still not of the opinion that Disney knows what they're doing with Star Wars, and, you know, I don't like the new characters, and they mishandled the old characters you that I love. pretty so. quickly to see so- Solo, so... Uh, I, I guess I'll see you next year in December at uh, episode oh, nine. Jeez, quite... strenuous circumstances were lost on you then. <laughs> so for those of us who haven't watched a, a movie in um, an American theater before, how would you say it compares, Steve, to to the best that South Africa has to offer? Well, I will say this much about the particular AMC that I was in. You know, you, you third world kids will probably have your jaws on the floor knowing that you have refillable popcorn and soda, uh, and the soda being w- one of those, like, incredible machines that can make up, like, thousands of Oh, it's the robots! Yeah, sorry. It's the robots. <laughs> the yeah. robots. Um, <laughs> but, the, 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 you know, the jug that you get to house the soda and the enormous box that you have to fill with popcorn uh, pretty much mean that during the runtime of the film, you're not likely to leave to go for a refill anyway. You might <laughs> uh, have to leave to, uh, to to lose a few liters of, of liquid. Um, but then again, the, the size of that cup makes it uh, you know, easy, to, easy, easy to double up <laughs> if, you need to make some, if you need to make some warm iced tea. <laughs> um, but the AMC theater that I was in, uh, if you dislike the feature... Uh, you can recline to complete horizontal. The seat can recline to complete horizontal, <laughs> so you can, you know, effectively like nap if you if you don't like what you see. Let, well, let me get your landing gear out and just park incredible. off. Incredible! You know, it's like the business class. Let me speak on AMC for a second, if if I may. Oh, <laughs> is it the evil empire? No, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna link this to their whole exec their whole exec room. Uh, sorry, brother. But no, my old college roommate is actually in their brass now. 
That's why I always get to go to movies free. He he gave me like a lifetime pass. Oh, that does exist. The golden ticket. Ooh. I don't like those beverage things. Like, give me three sodas, but have like the equations right. You know, like syrup to carbonation. I oh, really right. hate oh, it when they're off balance. Oh my god, that that's first world. But I don't like the recliners because people fall asleep and then they start snoring. Like in more than one movie, <laughs> they've had to stop the film. Because they're also selling alcohol at the theater. Like, that was half the fun of going to the movies was sneaking alcohol in. Come on, guys. This is the part of the podcast that you're going to get a pitch, AMC. I know you're probably not killing it with that bar scene. Turn it into an old newsprint wall, except for it's all comics. Hook up Mm -hmm. with a comic shop. Get a rep in there. Also get a podcast rep. Uh, a probably pop culture podcast rep that comes in and talks comics. Guys, that's that's freaking uh, network, and you're buddying up with other business. It looks good. All right. That's all I got for AMC. Uh, thanks, Kuja. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does it look inside? Does it look like, like when we watch movies that have movie theaters in them, does the movie theater look a lot like that? Is it like quite grand and sort of art deco looking in the inside? Uh, it being the one in New York, of course. That you went to, so. Well, stupidly, we initially went to the Times Square AMC, which this is a Saturday evening. Like, what was my friend thinking? Of course, the even solo was sold out. <laughs> even solo. So we went to another one, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember where it was, but it wasn't too far away. I, I'm sure it differs from theater to theater, but mm. they're pretty, pretty zhuzh, pretty clean. Very modern, like all the fixtures are pretty new. Uh, they've got like a little sort of VR helmet uh, section. It, it, I suppose it's it's replacing the old notion of an arcade. Like you now put in a couple of dollars, put on a VR headset and like go on an adventure <laughs> while you wait for your film to start. Smell other people's sweat. There are fewer seats because the seats are enormous mm-hmm. and the armrests. You know, you can you can put your arms up quite generously and not bump elbows with the guy next to you. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's uh, nice, and, and you know, because the the drinks cups are so massive. Obviously, you have a a cavernous gouge out of the armrest <laughs> into which you can sink a gorge your uh, your bucket <laughs> of liquid. Oh wow, that's insane. Yeah, because. Yeah. I, and and for our listeners, the reason I refer to it as a robot is because the first time I encountered one of these drinks machines, uh, it was actually at the most low tech Zaxby's. Place. Zaxby's, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I would have expected to. Have fun. Hey, Rob Dog. Yeah, if you're listening, and that was really cool. Like I was like I was amazed. I mean, I had to go back for seconds. I love that about America. I love the refill thing. I think that's a great thing. I I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's some overwhelming positivity from uh, Mr. Lobsher. Rob, what's on your agenda? What's been uh, rattling around in your head post JoeCon, man? Yeah, I thought America was amazing, and it's it's really quite upsetting to come back to a really shitty country where where nothing works. <laughs> um, Shots fired. You know, like Damn, everything son. just works in America, or at least the parts of America that we saw, which was you know about what like a, a I don't know. We saw the northeast of America, and everything worked there. So, I mean, I think my someone told me today that it's going to be a taxi strike tomorrow in Cape Town. 
So, I mean, that, that kind of affects my, my movement around, you know, kind of trying to get to work tomorrow and getting home afterwards. Are the trains still erratic, bro? Dude, they burned more trains down, like, two weeks ago, apparently. Oh, like, I mean, not apparently. I mean, I saw the I saw the, the, the fire, the, the smoke coming from the train station. And apparently the, the Metro Rail, the, the, the people who run the, the train service in South Africa, they've offered some sort of, like, a hundred thousand rand reward um, to, to try and find the people who, who, who are destroying their trains and, you know, ruining the, the public transport system for everyone in Cape Town. Oh, awesome. Um, Bounty Hunters Unite. <laughs> Killjoys, yeah. Oh, send in the renegades, man. We need to find these guys. Kruger. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what? No, send in your action figure. What's that guy's yeah, name again? Exactly. Kruger. But the Ainda. Ainda. Yes. On the scene. Jan Pirovic, Jan Pirovic, Jan Pirovic, Stunstall. <laughs> oh. Oh, dude, I could do with a hundred grand. Yeah, let's go and find these fuckers. I mean, these people. <laughs> Damn, Rob, I'm sorry, man. That does suck. Yeah. I mean, know. that really does bring it into sharp relief, like the difference between first and third world. It's just incredible to see something, things working, like working together, essentially, you know, for the service of the public in, in, in a first world country. And you come back to the third world country and everything is just, it's just rubbish. It's, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's just rubbish. So, yeah, I was... The trip to America is probably one of the best things ever while I was there, but coming back, it just it just made me exceptionally depressed, just thinking about how cool it is. First world problems, I suppose, you know. But um, so Africa to me now is just it just feels like a giant shithole, um, <laughs> and I'm um, yeah. There's nothing I can do about that, so I suppose I kind of have to just get over it. Except enter the green card lottery. Well, you know, once again, uh, not something that, that that I would really be able to do. I mean, I don't really earn enough to be able to go overseas and stay there, um, and I don't offer any. Hey man, with a green card, you can walk into any McDonald's, any Burger King, any Subway, any whatever. Uh, and apply for a job. They will accept you, bro. I have no unique skills to offer. No, 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 no. My friend, they are clamoring out for staff. Yeah, I mean, how, how many posters did we see on the road in yep. towns of, like, uh, help needed, you know? Are you a, uh, a happy person or something, something like, we need your charisma here <laughs> or something, you know, like, something like Well, yeah. give, give Rob a job in the United States and a green card. Uh, I think that'll put a smile on his dial. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear you suffering, brother. I mean, it, it's, it's... Yeah, yeah, uh, so... It, it, it is always going to be a bit a bittersweet return, but in your case, a bitter and uh, absolute, <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, no. My return to the third world was softened by uh, leaving uh, it so quickly. An, <laughs> an impromptu uh, visit with my fiance in Australia, which uh, it's always uh, it's always good fun. Crikey! I, I mean, <laughs> Townsville, Australia is like, I mean, it's tropical paradise all year round. It's hilarious. Swimming in 22 degree, well, centigrade uh, waters. This time of year is just unheard of in the southern hemisphere, but then again, they have no seasons in the sort of the the northeast part of Oz, the Gold Coast. It's uh, it's idyllic. I I gotta add to Rob's um malaise a little, uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't misunderstand me. I love my home and I do love my country. I I really do. I don't love my country's bruises, but anyway, I won't go into that too much. But um, when we got back, 
okay. And uh, Rob and I went outside for a cigarette. That's when I was like, oh, yeah, we're back in South Africa because it was just freezing cold. It was just like <laughs> we had gotten back. We had, we had left uh, New York when it was going through like a heat wave, like this insane heat wave. And then we had gotten into South Africa when it was having an insane cold front. <laughs> and it was like, it was extremely sobering. To put this in perspective for international listeners, South Africa is not well geared towards the cold. Our homes do not have gas heating whatsoever. And Paul's home, I mean, his mother is a claustrophobe, so like all windows and doors are flung wide open. And Johannesburg, it's essentially a city on a mountaintop. Yeah. So it's it gets pretty cold, you know, below freezing, uh, which... Once again, if you're living in the northern, northern hemisphere, a winter that's just below freezing is a pretty mild winter. Mm. But take away any kind of heating systems, yeah, it's not comfortable. I mean, it's is bad this, when you've got the polar bears coming in because they're cold, you know. You know. Is this a good place for a handoff? <laughs> I, uh, Go for it, Cujo, I, my man. I will give you a handoff. Thanks. Like, wow. uh, double dragon style, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that was what Rob was insinuating, but anyways. No, no, gentlemen. Cujo, the mic is Johannesburg, yours. a city on a hill? Is that what you said? Hmm. Uh, well, it's at it's at elevation. I mean, it is... Uh, on the high felt. A very high, very high city. Hmm. So is hmm. Chattanooga. That's where uh, Jokon was. I'm still catching my breath, not necessarily from that city, because obviously we were in D.C. after that. Did you guys have a favorite moment or thing that you saw in Monument Park? I'm just working that out now. Because there was a lot, dude. (laughs) There was so much. Uh, I think I'm I'm just going to reference to the Washington Monument. If you haven't seen it, it's freaking massive. You can see it from the freeway. You can see it from distance. You can see it in our documentary, forthcoming. Nice. This This is what you might not know about the Washington Monument. It's the world's biggest sundial. I'm going to leave that there. Okay. I think the thing that hit me the hardest is maybe something that is visited in Marvel Comics, and that is the wall. I know that me and Rob had walked past, uh, what was it, the, the, the Vietnam Memorial? Uh, you got, yeah, we all did Vietnam, and I think you guys did the Korean one. Yeah. Wow. You could feel it. I never mm. felt anything like that. And what also what I didn't know, like when I think it's Snake Eyes and Stalker take the walk, that wall goes underground. You go, you go underground with the names. Mm. Um, and and I know you felt that, Paul. So yeah, yeah. What, very much so. Did you guys have a specific memory, or did you want to get into that? I I, I reflect back on the fact that there was a a Marine Corps march and uh and bearing of the colors that took place as we walked up the pool of reflection towards the lincoln memorial like happening on the steps of the lincoln memorial were like this incredible marching band and then a honor guard of marines like what sublime timing i mean to to have us total tourists and military enthusiasts, thanks to our hobby, mm-hmm. witness that. 
I mean, I was just going over the footage that we took. I'm so glad that we were there. Mm. It's incredible. Uh, and while it is partially very, well, partially very, that's a contradiction, very self-serving, uh, we are stringing our, our, our shared experiences and the footage that we took together into three documentaries. Um, this is particularly of interest, perhaps, to uh, our backers, people who supported us through the GoFundMe, want to know exactly what we got up to. Well, it looks like each of these parts is going to be at about 40 minutes long, so <laughs> you'll have uh, plenty of insight into what we got up to on this trip and exactly how memorable it was. I uh, look forward to that dropping shortly, at least part one. Uh, ain't that right, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> Rob's been slaving Science. away on this thing, dude. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I might have to. I might have to um, buy myself a little time by finally releasing my haul video. <laughs> haul. <laughs> oh, I actually wanted to ask. Have you guys? Have you guys uh, dropped uh, any any indication of what you came away with? I have, but like, okay. So this is my thing. I, I wanted. You know, you sent us a message and you like said, "Hey guys, if you know, feel free to share your haul and whatever." And I was like. That's a really cool idea. That word. Yeah. That fucking word. <laughs> I'm like, but I was like, I don't know if I want to share my haul. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, Gross. I was a bit like, I don't know if I want to. It's not that I don't want to show people what I got or anything like that. I just, I just felt, felt like maybe it's just a little bit indulgent. Like I was a bit like, Ugh, you know. Paul, you went to JoeCon. It would be a huge crime if you didn't come away with a sizable haul. <laughs> <laughs> That all <laughs> must be reamed. <laughs> oh, terrible. You gotta share it terrible with everyone, joke. Paul. Everyone wants to see your haul. I gotta share my haul. <laughs> I mean, Stephen shared his, you know. I mean, and you eventually shared your haul on the channel, didn't you? Who? Uh, well, Paul, you, didn't you do a video? I'm sure you've done a video. I've done a video, but I haven't, and I've taken photos, but I haven't put them up anywhere. I haven't put them up anywhere for public consumption. Oh, but, I thought wow, it was on man. there. No, no. You are making art in the dark on your own. <laughs> I thought you had put it up. Wow. So did Stephen do two separate videos? No, no, no. Paul shared it with us on like a private chat yeah. group or something. Oh. Come on, brother. Yeah, I'll do it. Everyone wants to see what you got from JoeCon, you silly boy. Well, also, one of the cool things now, and maybe I'm just, maybe this is a blessing in disguise, but I'm glad that I sort of waited because. Now that I have, and I've been able to take stock of everything that I've got, and 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 take some time to clean my MCC, for example, um, it looks better. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was no pretty shit. dirty. It was pretty dirty. It was pretty dirty. But then again, in that state, it would uh, fit perfectly with the rest of your collection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. You're a funny man, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, only because I'm right. But. Oh. Uh, but it does turn. Uh, it turns out I do need a. There is a part missing for the earthquake, and it, it is where I pointed it out when we were doing that video. Remember, I said, "Hey, I wonder if these holes are here for something." Turns out they they are there for a reason. There's like a extra handle that goes in there, and what happens is when you're playing with it, uh, with you when you're playing with the earthquake itself, you can pull that handle back to control the crate, uh, the the scoop in the front. Um, mm. It also stops the scoop from. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like flopping down. So if you're like racing around with the thing, it stops it from going down. I to try and around. find that. 
Yeah, it keeps it erect. Yeah, there we go. So something I went quite nuts about when I was in the States was obviously American candy and, well, American sweets. Americans Absolutely. refer to it as candy. I really love American sweets. I like a lot of them. Some of them really are crap. And I, I must say, I, I, I really enjoyed something, things like moon pies. Uh, it was great to see huge bags of Reese's Pieces or Reese, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, um, you know, for sale. Um, you know, where you didn't have to pay an arm and a leg for. And I say that because in South Africa, we do get this stuff, some of it, um, but it's imports. So you end up paying quite a bit of money for it. But something I did find very interesting about America, I wanted to go and get some peanut butter. It was, I think it was the third last day that we were there. So I thought, okay, cool. Let me go and stop at the grocery store and get like a small jar of peanut butter because it would have been nice to have some peanut butter with our um, sort of hand toasted toast. Mm. Um, and I was like, that would have been cool. And Some Airbnbs don't even have posters. toasters. Right. Oh, the humanity. The humanity. Three but stars. anyway. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I mean, they do have Swedish, t- I mean, what Norwegian tourists. So it kind of balances out. Anyway, so I, I thought, okay, cool. Well, firstly, I couldn't find a small jar of peanut butter. Like, I don't know if that's just because the convenience or not convenience store, the grocery store that I went to. I don't know if that's just because that specific store uh, doesn't like to carry small jars or because it caters for its immediate vicinity, nobody buys small jars of peanut butter, or if that just doesn't exist. Because the only jar of peanut butter I could get was fairly large, quite a bit bigger than what we sell as the stock standard peanut butter here in South Africa. But it was like $4.30 or something like that. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like that tub of peanut butter... Well, that jar of peanut butter is more expensive than a whole bag of Reese's peanut butter cups. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> and in Paul's brain, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> right, but I mean... I Why buy peanut butter when you can buy candy? But that's the, but there we go. There we, <laughs> and that's the thing that I find interesting, because a lot of the healthy stuff in the stores is actually more expensive. Like, I find that water was more expensive than, than cool yeah. pop. Um, You're starting to get it. A one-liter bottle of water was more expensive than a two-liter... Uh, was the same price as a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper, more or less. And I was like, oh, I have to eat crap while I'm here. Okay, America, I will. It's cheaper. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's just to add to what Stephen said. I mean, I don't want to let the man down. He is right. <laughs> mm. It's a conspiracy, guys. It's not a conspiracy. We just market the best mm. craziness. Nah, it's it's trying to keep the population um, fat and unable to fight back when the government comes for you. Well, mm. something well I, squared. Thing. Okay, so toys. Yeah. <laughs> wow, guys, did anything that you brought back from the states particularly surprise you, or was there something quite alarming uh, about? your experiences in, in picking up cool stuff at JoeCon? Any standout moments? Any figure that you didn't think that you would like, but now that he's in your possession, you don't know what you'd ever done without him? That kind of thing? Any cool stories like that, guys? Well, let me chase that hilarity with, with just a, a bit of uh, candor. Um, I think that everybody has their vices, um, so I think I may have had a cavity or two along the way. So I think we all got problems, but on the toy tip, nope, actually I'm back on Chattanooga. Um, 
I did hear... God, uh, we're not going to actually complete a single damn topic on this podcast. <laughs> no, we're, we're getting there. You're we're going to yeah. kicking like a, an AT-AT mule on the, on the way out. I, I know when we were uh, live streaming at JoeCon, which that was a hoot, by the way, guys. Um, hey, Kujo gets in front of camera. Well, you might what see, see some more of that, but somebody did say they like it when I throw numbers around. I, I don't have any fire in me today, guys, but I'm just going to throw some randomness about our world at you. It could be Joe-related. Uh, pretend you're a G.I. Joe. I mean, we are G.I. Joe. Every day of my life, brother. That's right. Uh, action feature. I, I think we're going to have to work... Though... We might have to though, work you into a I battle. Thought of, I thought of an even better fictional, non-existing G.I. Joe that I would love to introduce, but we'll get there, I guess. All right. It's a story um, for another day. Indeed. We, Chattanooga is an important city because it tells you something about our world. You, you guys are Just go ahead and start rolling your eyes because they may never come back. Uh, it's on the 33rd parallel. Two parallel. Too late. Yep. Too late. <laughs> uh, let's just talk about the 33rd parallel for a second. Um, internationally speaking, the countries that line up with the 33rd are Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, and you guessed it, everybody's favorite country, Israel. Um, no, Mount sorry. Hermon, I'm not paying attention in class. Carry on. Also on the 33rd parallel is where it said that angels walk to earth in the book of Enoch. So there's there's a little Bible for you, Cabal. Let's see what what else happens on the 33rd. Oh yeah, the Mesopotamian Crescent. Or the cradle of life. Stateside, let's let's talk about the 33rd parallel real quick. It just so happens Roswell's on the 33rd parallel. Nice little accident with some UFOs happened there once upon a time. Um, the JFK assassination, 33rd parallel on Elm Street, by the way, which is where Nightmare on Elm Street comes from. Also no. the 13th. Also Friday the 13th, which happens to be a massacre of Masons in history. Um, let's see what else we got. 33rd. Hollywood, 33rd parallel. Oh, by the way, Long Beach, where I live, 33rd. Um, Disneyland, 33rd. Uh, that's enough of that. We've got the a 33rd Disneyland. parallel is significant because of frequency. What, what, what does frequency have to do with our world? Well... Where are you going to find most of the standing pyramids in our world? You guessed it. So masons build things to stand the test of time. I think that's all I'm going to throw out right now. Yeah, Chattanooga, baby. Uh, we witnessed an old world city. So uh, I'll see you in Cobra Law. Don't sleep on Thanksgiving. Because if you're in Joburg right now, we're talking the hottest toys. We're also talking. Whoo! We're, we're rolling with the deepest. I'll get there. I did want to talk a little, a little Joe community, which it just kind of occurred to me. With a lot of negative stuff in the comics press, let, let me get positive. Tom Waltz right now for IDW. Uh, IDW has issues, you know that. But Waltz is dancing right now. Um, he's got Royal on covers that you can't keep on the shelves. Uh, you got, uh, what, Nethos? 
that artist from I, I don't know Indonesia. I, I could be wrong. I'm not looking at my Twitter right now. You also got uh, Larry Hama, who should be in the spotlight in every comics conversation right now, but he's doing some damn good writing. And I, I just think it's cool. I don't know where Joe goes next, but there's a lot of positive buzz. Oh, and let me throw one name because it's a feel good. Let's let's mention Ron Joseph. Just drew a recent issue of G.I. Joe. It's not out. Probably won't be out for a bit. Dude had open heart surgery while he was drawing it. Made a comeback and finished it. Like, throw your politics out the window. G.I. Joe's kicking ass. Uh, Pick up these books. And, dude, think about this. Three out of five people grew up with G.I. Joe. Hama's back, baby. Let people know. That's all I got. And with that, I just want to say, I can't believe how much joy Storm Shadow's crotch has brought me. Because <laughs> that's something I picked up in Chattanooga. Like, Stephen, like, a toy, like, some, like a toy that maybe made, like, a, uh, like a, like, that was surprising. It's one of many things, but I'd just like to open it with, uh, I got a replacement crotch for my 84 Storm Shadow because he came, well, I got mine with a broken crotch. And... This figure has just come alive for me. He is so amazingly awesome. I mean, I'm still scared to play with it too much, um, but it's just, it's amazing. I am complete with a crotch now. I love it. And I just had to mention that. Rob, what, did, did you get anything, did you find anything that, in? Uh, uh, and actually, I just wanted to just check. Steve, do you specifically mean Joe Con or just the whole trip in general? Oh, the whole trip in general. I mean, when I say JoeCon, I mean our epic trip to JoeCon oh, Joe and Spirit. all the toys. Oh. That, yeah, you can call it our our American road trip. But I mean, look, it was it was always going to be centered around JoeCon, but we did have a road trip up front and an awesome time in Washington and New York thereafter. So. Yeah, bro. It was it was it was a time. Well, I got something I can mention, but I want to hear what Rob. Uh, uh, I want to hear from Rob. If there's anything that was surprising on his journey, like beachhead, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the the well, I mean, because I didn't buy beachhead. I actually can't remember how I got him. <laughs> well, that would be courtesy of Mike Smith, uh, the bandit, who uh, I think he was leaving, and you and I, Paul, were having an interview with Joe Customs. Yeah, and uh, very surreptitiously dropped a bag of. Goodies. Of figures huh. and uh, Darklands Evader. Oh, that's like, right. Yes. Awesome. So we divvied that up. Yes. I, think yes, I yes. got a, a spirit, which I've been sorely lacking. Plus uh, the Bumblebee style uh, Alley Viper, um, a Flak Viper. Oh, I got Metalhead. Well, I think I thought it would just be ironic that I got the Beachhead. I mean, uh, by now I'm, I'm <laughs> we sure did people too. Have watched. <laughs> <laughs> Our Curve Convergence 3 offering. You, you, you've seen him featured in there, at least in my little segment with Scoop. The, the, that was very interesting. I was just like, okay, you know, a shot on this figure. Um, <laughs> I'd opponent. like to think it was deliberate then that you got him. I'd like to think that somewhere uh, Mike recalled that you shat all over this figure. And he was like, ha, <laughs> 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 There you go, Rob. <laughs> But but in hand, admittedly, he is a cool toy. It's a solid figure. It's man. a cool toy, but I, I just don't think it's it's this is still not beat it. It's it's it looks stupid. He's wearing a, you know, like a, like a whatever the the head mask thing, and he's got a helmet over that. It just looks ridiculous. 
Um, and there's colors, and the colors are cool, I think, but just, uh, nah, I still don't like it. But I, I appreciate that I have it. There's something about those 90s figures that feel a lot more durable. They're a little bit thicker in places. Probably the, the plastic, maybe, that they're using at that time. Um, but they do feel a lot more solid. Or maybe it's because they haven't been played with as much as the older stuff, or they're a bit younger than the older stuff. So they haven't got into that stage yet where the plastic kind of... I don't know what happens to plastic over time. I think in the 90s as well, like, the physique started becoming a little bit beefier. Yes, they're much more like national heroes rather than uh, soldiers. soldiers. Mm. Mm. So elbow cracks are less likely to appear because there's just that much more plastic around the rivets. Mm. And the same thing with other, uh, you know, joint issues that, like, really old Joes, I'm thinking like, you know... Scarlet. Anything around 84, 83, Two. those guys becoming very brittle and yeah. very, very dainty plastic indeed. This was also exceptionally unexpected was that with the winnings from our, our us coming, us and Jim coming second in the, um, you know, Frank and Joe competition, I think I left it up to you guys to decide, like, you know, what, what to get. And you guys chose to get me a Havoc, and it's, it's freaking amazing. <laughs> I think it's cool. It is fun, hey? I'm I'm not so secretly envious. <laughs> While I must say I never wanted a Havoc in my collection because I think it's kind of ridiculous, I have to admit that in hand it has a charm that everyone has warned me about. They're like, yeah, it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen, but in hand it has an appeal that's hard to ignore. No, it's it's so compact, you know. It's compact and yet um it's got a couple of features going going on for it, you know. Really cool and, features. And the yeah. colors are, are pretty, you know, pretty mellow. They're pretty realistic in yeah. the real world. Um the orange it's just that mask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, they're they're those. But um you, you kind of have to take them with the rest of the vehicle and it, it's less offensive than say like I don't know, like really other bright colors. Um, but, yeah, and there's a sharpness to it as well that I that I'm a big fan of that I yeah, find no, is, sure. is is in those vehicles like like I find from '84 to about '86 there's like a sort of a sharpness to Joe vehicles. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're not mm, so soft. It's tight. It's compact. There's you know there's detail over detail. Mm. Yes, so like detail on top an engine of detail. with an engine panel <laughs> on top of and there's mm-hmm. you know the the the, tra- t- the tank treads but then a cover that goes over the tank yes. treads. So there's like a lack of cheapness. There's ribs um, on that gunner seat, y'all. And there's flesh over the ribs. Yes. You know, it's uh, mm. and no, mm. this I think hair on the flesh. I think this is what everybody loves to hate about the havoc. Like the front is obviously a, a clown show, but <laughs> let's say it gets in a battle and it gets disabled. You have a very interesting thing for your, your guys to work around, and that little uh, hover pod can kind of circle a battlefield. So it just makes it completely dynamic, you know? you got desperate mm. situations around the cockpit <laughs> and stuff like that. So in a fantasy battle between the Havoc... Mm. And the G.I. Joe Raider from 1989. Uh-huh, interesting. I take it, Curtis, you would uh, you would back the Havoc. Let me let me get a good look at the Raider. Can you come back to me on this one? Absolutely. Absolutely. Alrighty. So while you think about that, I'm going to say that my surprise, uh, twofold. The firstly, like, just something that I noted. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but, like, there was a time when 
it was a given that if a vehicle is being sold complete, it would include the driver. Nowadays, yes. the terminology has shifted. A vehicle is considered complete if the vehicle is complete. The figure is somewhat yeah, separate. It, it doesn't matter what came in that original box. It's like if the vehicle itself is, is finished, it's fine. And I personally think that's bullshit. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd hazard a guess that this is a symptom of the divide in uh, figure format. Oh, those goddamn modern fucking figure collectors. <laughs> I'm not bemoaning the... the, 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 the the choice of some of us to to, to, to put modern era figures in Fuck vintage them. vehicles. I, mean, it's I do it, Rob. Now. I do it. Oh, dear. No, no, I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. Um, uh, modern modern figures. You, modern figures are cool. You know, you, you you do you guys. It is what it is. Um, I'm just upset. Can't but because there is this trend of 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 collectors who who have modern era collections, but I mean naturally the vintage vehicles are you know they're just the the kind of variation that you get is unparalleled. So there is a favor you know th- there is a favorable move to 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 having modern figures with vintage vehicles, and as a result the vintage drivers it's bullshit. <laughs> Again, the vintage drivers are now shuffled uh, into into a kind of a no man's land where they're not particularly desirable, yeah. at least with the vehicle. It's like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this fuddy-duddy looking figure? <laughs> Sell um, wild boar. Wild boar. <laughs> oh, I found a wild boar in a bargain bin. Uh, that was hilarious. Uh, uh, thought you guys would like that. Um, but that's that's a, su- a surprising thing that I noted. Um, you know that, that 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 havoc that you spoke of, Rob, oh, yes, was being sold without the driver. Gosh, uh, my Mauler was sold without the driver. Oh my! Uh, well, obviously yeah. that's an interesting shift. I mean, there's definitely they are accommodating to modern figure collectors. You know, they've kind of realized, okay, you know, these guys also want cool vehicles, even if the figures don't necessarily fit into them. That's okay. Um, it's going to look cool on their shelf with the figures standing in front of it. So I think that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's awesome that, that they are accommodating to the modern figure collectors, that they also, you know, like, hey, you guys also want to try out these really cool old vehicles? Go for it. You know, why not? The other surprise hit, mm. and this is a surprise hit, uh, this isn't a, a detractor. Yeah. Guys... I really like 1984 Deep Six. <gasps> like what? I'm sorry, JD. I'm sorry, everybody in the Joe collecting world. But yes. two point of articulation Deep Six from 1984 is now my ultimate beach toy. Wow! Can we revoke Steven's JoJo card, please? <laughs> yeah. Just go fetch uh, it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Such fun. <laughs> I think because his limitations in articulation in, make him... right hand in, take your left hand out, take your right hand out. Ooh, so much fun. Take your left leg out. Oh, shit, you can't. Oh, shit, I can't do that. Okay, well, at least he can do, like, cartwheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Whee. Guys, this guy is so durable. I mean, there's really very little that could break on him. Uh... You know, I throw, I literally throw him as hard as I can into the ocean. 
and watch the Ooh, waves throw so hard onto the water. Dude, give it to your nephew or your niece. <laughs> Any of them. I might take you up on that bet. I mean, I should have actually grabbed more than one. I found him in a beta bin, and naturally this is the kind of figure that would find his way into bins en masse because... A, he's not particularly desirable, (laughs) desirable, and B, there's not much that can go wrong with him. He doesn't have any accessories to lose. Uh, He's complete in and of himself. I mean, there's the bellows system, but you can pretty easily, you know, fake that out with a a bit of piping. Um, He is tough. He's solid. He's got little weights in his feet. Did you know that? Mm -mm. Because I found in this beta bin a broken one. And I noted the, the little metal weights that, that he has in his, his feet, which ensure that he always sinks uh, feet first. So comes to rest at the bottom of the pool or lake or ocean. With standing. dignity. Wonderful. You've, of course, got to tap out some of the trapped air. So you invert him, tap him, the bubbles will come out of his feet, and then you can kind of establish... Either a negative, a neutral, or a positive buoyancy. By that I mean you can get him to be so perfectly balanced that he'll either sink gracefully to the bottom, he will uh, hover wherever you put him in the water, or he will rise. Wow. Depending on how much air you tap out of him. He can do all three of them. And he can do all three of them at a different rate. Once again, depending on how much air you tap out of it. Wow, this sounds like a lot of fun. You can meet a perfect balance to getting this guy to do exactly what you want. He can rise and fall as fast as you want him to. Sarcasm, please. So much fun. Like, you really have to invent reasons to, like, do stuff with him. Pair it with a GoPro and you can get some really cool underwater photography with this guy. Everyone just get the 1989 version. He's the best version. Don't I think it'd be pretty dope yeah. if you did like a Hydro Viper kind of story. Just all silent, just you doing clips of him going through like uh, Cape or uh, either ocean, whatever ocean's down there. Oh, buddy, do you, do you honestly um, think I haven't done it already? <laughs> video coming soon. Check out the YouTube channel. That's true, and I did enjoy that. September. Well, on our con- Cobra Convergence video... There are some beautiful shots of that that whole battle. Uh, with the- oh, there would be more, but my memory card got corrupt at that exact moment. Oh no! It was very, very frustrating to me. I had some cool stuff. Disappointed. Yeah, man, I went to the Great Barrier Reef. I went to the uh, Whitehaven Beach. This incredible beach that has ninety-nine point seven percent pure silica. For sand. Wow. That's, it is a geological I don't know what mystery. what that means, but... As to how... Well, get this. Uh, it, it is a mystery how this, this beach uh, sprang up, how this silica got deposited. But silica is so fine, it's the sand that NASA use for their telescope lenses. And it is so fine, in fact, that if you were how to fine take... <laughs> so fine... But get this as an example. So if you've got a canopy like the dome that is that makes up Deep Six's you know head, and it's a bit scratched up, you rub it in this sand. It will buff those scratches right out. Well, I hope you brought some home That's, with you. I mean, there's some canopies here on our vehicles that could do with some of that. 
The sand is you're so fine. You're not allowed fine. to take any sand with you. <laughs> if it goes in your pants, you. you say thank you. You're not allowed to take sand with you. <laughs> what? You may not remove sand from this beach. What? I well, saw what if people you if you're getting... in the in there and you just you know like you've just been in the ocean, you're all wet, your feet are covered in sand. What do they make you like wash your feet before you leave the beach? They hose you off personally. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How the did you not leave with this? As you... I wanna. I wanna. <laughs> I want to work at that beach. Like, that sounds like a good time. Hosing people off. Yeah. Hey, baby, come here. Let me hose you down. I got to make sure you're real clean. <laughs> Just like the sand. You're so fine. <laughs> yes. But yeah, man, I, I went to this world So that's where beach. George Lucas was. Shit. It makes sense now. Uh, not to me, it doesn't. I don't get it. Uh, but I went to this incredible, world-famous beach, and all I did was, like, grind my <laughs> my action figure's head into the sand. Oh, my God. I was rubbing Deep Six's dome in that fine, fine, fine sand. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous, but that's very you. <laughs> I mean, so, after all of these discussions about buffing it and sorting sorting it out and all that stuff, he's like, sand fixes it. Cool. <laughs> Next thing. And uh, for my pains, there are like eight fine grains of this pure silica uh, caught between Deep Six's red, red hair. Uh-oh, Steven. The, the dome. They're going to come They're going to come after me. Yeah, I was going to say. You submitted it right there that you stole their sand. The space <laughs> sand. They're going to confiscate my figure. Well, if there isn't anything else that's that's charming that you found from um, a joke or from our trip, uh, I got to mention, um, it was kind of a surprise for me as well. I got a stun, and I'm not saying it's like my favorite vehicle in the whole world or anything, but I really enjoy it. Like, I totally get it. Like, I can understand... Like, it makes sense when it's in hand, right? Like, that was one of the cool things. Like, one of the kind of cool things that, that came from, from Jokon that I didn't think I would enjoy, but I'm really, really digging. Um, another thing, it also has to do with our prize uh, winnings from the custom competition. I got a full set of Ninja Force. Now, I love the ninjas um, in G.I. Joe, uh, but I'm sure... Uh, many of our listeners have heard me bemoan action features because I really do hate action features. But why Ooh. would I go out of my way to go and get a not just one or two Ninja Force, but a whole set? Well, for starters, the the seller had them uh, all complete uh, without file cards, so all their gear and individually baggied in this whole like sort of commemorative set. No, I'm kidding. It's just like they're all put together in this nice convenient bag and and for a very good price too. And um, I just had a serious, like, toy hard-on for, like, Ninja Force. For some reason, I was like, wow, I really got to get these guys. And uh, I'm so glad I did because I've just forgotten how much fun they actually are. I've I've sort of been slightly swayed over by the action feature um, side of or nature of it. And I've really been enjoying Chebang and Dojo and Slice and Dice and Nunchuck. You know, they've been really, really fun toys to play with, actually. And that was a surprise to me. And another thing that was kind of a surprise was 
I got Sky. Yeah, there's a Sky Patrol figure, a character called Altitude, and uh, I got one. And like Sky Patrol, I've always thought was cool, but like now I think he's they're really cool because I think Mike Smith also um, in his baggie of goodies also had a Sky Patrol figure in there that I grabbed. The name escapes me right now. I don't know why I can never remember this dude's name, this character's name rather. But um, essentially, he's a motor viper body with uh, a different head, and they're actually really, really cool toys. Like, totally, totally worth getting. And another figure that surprised me was Pathfinder. <laughs> like, I got a complete Pathfinder, and wow, like his gear is awesome, man. Like, he's he, I've been having quite a bit of fun with uh, GI Joe's resident landscaper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it about the Ninja Force that uh, that really gets you going, though, dude? You said that you're really enjoying them, but I, can you quantify that? Yeah, like, I, why? I think it's cool that, like, okay, uh, in my trip, uh, I picked up a Ninja Force Snake Eyes, a figure that I love the design of, but I've always had an issue with the toy's design. And I was like, I wanted to get it because I wanted to have, I want to try and get all the vintage Snake Eyes as well it's kind of like a small you know short-term collection goal as is the storm shadow thing which i've technically now completed but it was just like i wanted ninjas for my snake eyes and stuff to fight with you know i wanted like ninjas bad guy ninjas to raid my mcc i wanted bad guy ninjas to attack the tactical battle platform they're just fun you know because you can do all kinds of cool sneaky stuff with them you know like uh, with their action features as well, with the whole weapons-based thing. And I don't know what it was. Just for some reason, I just really wanted those toys. And it was just, it wasn't something that I went there. It wasn't like a preconceived thing. It's just when I saw them, I was like, yep, that's what I want. I want those. And it's just free money yeah. from the competition. But it was Thanks, like, Jim. But it was awesome. It was like, it was like the coolest thing I could have gotten with that money. And it's just like made it so memorable. Because you can have time, you can have great fun with them, and and we can do cool videos with them as well. Because I've got the whole ninja set, I've essentially got all the ninjas. I've even got a a night creeper now, which makes me super happy. So I just need to. Uh, well, I'd like to get the further adventures of the the ninja, ninja force, Zartan and Bushido, and oh, is it Bush? Yeah, Bushido, and I'd still like to get a Scarlet, but that's like technically series two. So, you know, there's still that, but it was just great to have Series 1 again. I think it's a nostalgic thing as well, because we could actually buy them in stores, and having them in my hands again was just really rewarding. Like, it had come full circle for me. So that was cool. Uh, mm. And I've been having fun just playing with them, man. I was just... Like, the ninja features actually make them fun to play with. It's it's ridiculous, but it works. <laughs> it's just... I can sit there and just be like you know, switch the body around and make the little arms move, and uh, it's just been great. And I can make jokes with Storm Shadow go, oh, my hand! You know, anyway. (laughs) Cujo, have you had an opportunity to take a look at the radar? I have. Do you think it stands a chance against the heavy, articulated vehicle ordnance carrier? I'm going to focus this on the nose guns. For me. And I like the Raider. Obviously, it's got more punch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd agree. I mean, compared to those, the little orange ones on the Havoc, they can kind of, like, go from side to side, but not up and down. 
Whoopsie. Paul, do you want to champion the Havoc on this one? No, bro? I'm not saying I'm not choosing the Havoc or that I'm choosing the Raider. I'm just, I'm agreeing with Kujo's point that the cannons on the on the Raider are way more impressive. Well, something that I've, something <laughs> I've come to dislike about the Raider, um, oh. because I've actually always been a fan of it, and I am still a fan of it. I still think it's a it's a great toy. But um, something I've, I have found that I, that I quite dislike about it is it seems to be fragile in certain places uh, and in places that would irritate me as a collector uh, and as a, as a toy player, as somebody who plays with my toys, because um, there are like stress marks and things that happen to it uh, or that start appearing on it in places like where that rear gun sort of pops out the back. Um, if you don't do that properly, it can lead to like quite bad stress marks and damage in that area. The um, the treads, the treads are very cool, but they do feel very dainty. And, and when I helped pop them out for Steve, I remember like thinking, "Oh crap, I'm gonna break this. I'm gonna end up. I'm just gonna pop that out. If I break it, I'll just buy new ones, you know." And he'll bitch at me like the whole trip, but it's fine. And then I popped them out, no problem. So that was cool, but. Um, they do feel fragile, and it does feel like something that, when you're playing with the toy, might like rattle loose and come out. Whereas the Havoc is surprisingly solid for all of its um, sort of flair in terms of um, its detailing and how uh, and its play feature and everything and how it, it co- sort of comes together. It's a very solid, or well, I find it to be a fairly sturdy vehicle and, and, and mm. a great toy. I um, agree with you. Yeah, I, I have to add to my list now because. I only wanted two more G.I. Joe vehicles, but now I have to kind of add a Havoc to that because you guys have got me thinking about it. And it's it's small, so it doesn't take too much space, you know? (laughs) No space whatsoever. You can fit it into your room with ease. There's one for the Havoc and one for the Raider. Where does Steven break on this? Well, obviously I'm going to back my toy. Oh, the Havoc. (laughs) Yeah. I think I pined for a... Ha- what? The nice. Havoc? No, no, no. <laughs> but you, you, I had to fight you on that one, Rob. You were like, no, we have no space. I'm not having it. And I was like, oh, come on, man. You wanted this. You said as much. Come on. You know, it'll make Jim happy if we all got something out of this, uh, this Dara Dara that he won us. <laughs> then you were fighting me on it, but I was like, no, I'm... Just- Putting my Getting foot down, I won't wear any underwear till we get back to South Africa. <laughs> no underwear. But I'm glad G.I. Joburg comes away from the States one havoc to the richer. Mm. Because it is a wonderful toy. It does have an appeal. I've spoken on, on this before. It has a kooky-as-hell driver. It has such eccentricities uh, and excesses. I mean, it just, like, represents all the bonkers design that G.I. Joe started to, to favor. You know, it, it started in 83 with a, a hiss having a glass canopy, and by 86, it was just absolute bonanza. Uh, and the Havoc and Stun are the perfect encapsulations of that. It's like, this is a toy. We're not trying to fool anybody that this is real military equipment. We want maximum visibility of all the cool action figures that you can cram onto this thing. So why not put the driver in an exposed seat on top? It's not like Cobra can aim for shit. But uh, I would have to go with the Raider because it takes the Havoc's capabilities and just increases them into a, a, a far 
better combat vehicle. I'm thinking in real terms here. The Nikki combat vehicle, yeah. I'm not thinking about the toy's durability. Yeah, sure, the the Raider does require some understanding of of Physics. its construction. University to get it degree. To not break uh, un- under 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 play conditions, but you know. And that isn't a kid's you know, toy, then, you is know, it? We're not judging these things on on their merits as a toy. I'm saying if these were to go, to go up against each other in battle, the Raider has got some surprising characteristics. Okay, it has a concealed third position. Even if you don't like the idea of split-apart vehicles, which I don't. Besides, the Raider would become immobile if it was to lose its sort of scout vehicle. I like the idea of the guy down there being a dedicated driver, which leaves the other two guys to be dedicated weapons control officers, which make a hell of a lot more sense since the Raider can spin full 360 degrees bringing its guns to bear on targets anywhere mm. uh, while it, while its dedicated driver is focusing on driving the tank. Mm. And that mimics real-world tank uh, job descriptions. Mm. Your driver is focused on driving the tank, keeping it out of harm's way, maneuvering it into the best positions. And the gunner and commander, seated side-by-side side with excellent battlefield visibility, have a full 360-degree uh, arc of vision and, you know, completely uh, clear vision skywards as well. So this thing, I'd like to think that the two missiles are surface-to-air missiles. So the radar, radar has capabilities to knock out the, 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 the Havoc's puny hovercraft you know, sled <laughs> as if it couldn't knock it out with its, uh, what, six laser cannons up front? Six. Jeez. I think that's like five guns too many, if you ask me. But uh, it can effectively put up a wall of firepower that, as I said before, can engage targets anywhere within 360 degrees rotation. Anyways, that's my argument. Raider for the win. That's a lot of speculation. No. These are these are legit. I play with a toy, man. It could do that. <laughs> No, it's true. When you play with the toy, you do get a sense, and and that's what something I haven't really been able to do is play with I the feel toy. Like this, this fight was, you know, rigged from the start. <laughs> Ironically, they are both four-tracked vehicles. Did you? I mean, like it, it occurred to me how perfect this matchup is. But the Raiders' four tracks are huge. I mean, this thing could negotiate terrain that the Havoc, I mean, would just prang with those. You know, piddly 9mm pokey guns in the front. <laughs> Though the Raider has got a pokey gun of its own, I kind of wish that it didn't have that central, large, fixed forward gun. Oh, those like because little it just fangs. snags. Yeah. No, the, well, the fangs are one thing, but it's got a turret that's even beneath that. Yeah, you were. AKA the fly swatter. <laughs> <laughs> AKA like the dick. I mean, it's in the nether regions Whoa. of this tank, and it's, it's like it's a it's a hard on of doom. It's even got a like a cannon tip <laughs> that's a different color. <laughs> oh damn! Oh damn! Anyways, maybe there should be uh, some merit to to listing who you've got manning these vehicles. I'd say in my radar, I've got obviously hot seat is uh, in the command position. Uh, beside him uh, on the weapon systems is uh, downtown. An artillery man who uh, I don't think really gets to shine in his sort of infantry role. He might as well be operating the the big guns on the the raider. 
and then driving it down below. Hmm, let's see. I think the BF2000 guys are, are typically my go-tos when it comes to driving armor. Or monkey and, wrench. Uh, Just put him down there. Nobody has to see that toy. Monkey wrench? He's a dreadnought. I mean, not monkey uh, wrench. Damn it. <laughs> I meant to say, uh, like, uh, yeah, that's how much I love heavy it. Heavy metal? No, not heavy metal. The Major Altitude uses the same head sculpt. Oh, wild card. Wild card. No, wild card's fine manning the mean dog. I wouldn't want to take him off that duty. No, I would use the BF2000 guys because I'm never going to buy those vehicles. So, Dodger. Dodger's our go-to uh, tank man. Equally adept with high-tech and low-tech stuff. That's That's kind of his thing, isn't it? Who you got manning your havoc, Rob? Ah, you've really you for sure. I didn't Radio think about easy. that. I mean, it's so easy for for everyone to be like, "Oh, the Raider wins," because Steven had a whole argument about it. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. No, he the Raider. Did, he did one take eccentricity, so you gotta give him that. <laughs> mm. No, the the Raider is. Oh well, I, I, I've never thought of it this way before until now. But the radio is kind of the update of the Havoc, then essentially, it's like the it is the upgrade, you know. Um, although I think they kind of suit the. I know that the cartoon makes the Havoc seem like it's GI Joe's thing for everything, but it does seem like it's more of a vehicle to control the battlefield. Um, you know, in terms of like, you know, you got the little like sled that comes out and that can provide like sort of eye in the sky kind of reconnaissance you know uh to, you know to help you know to help move gi joe's maulers or something into position you know or you know it, it seems well, more they have it did come out the same year as gi joe's premier general and commander so yeah it could be his personal chariot it could be and we know how much hawk likes to fly <laughs> so i'd say it's that but i don't know for me it I know in a real world scenario, I think I think if you put somebody crazy like cross country behind the wheel of the havoc and he is meant to be there, and you do put somebody like Roadblock or Hawk or uh, into the you know into that command seat for the reconnaissance. No, what am I saying? Roadblock. That's the cartoon. Damn it. Um, you put somebody like with field intelligence, like Lady J or something like that in in there or Psych Out or something. Yeah, you you get a pretty uh, strong and formidable vehicle out of the the havoc because it can be more careful about its movements, whereas the raider, you know, the raider is kind of like a shark, and I suppose the havoc is a smaller shark that the bigger shark's gonna eat. So the havoc could probably beat it. It just has to be smarter about it. So I don't think. I, I mean, my I I definitely have more of a dog in the race as far as the havoc's concerned. Um, but I do think in a lot of ways they're very evenly matched. Who do you got in the the AirPod? I would, yeah, like Lady J or Hawk or Flint or somebody who's like good at commanding or control, uh, you know, good with intel. You I mean, want him whipping up? I would always favor vehicle vehicle experts. I mean, this is an attack vehicle. This mm. isn't supposed to be a jeep that all the Joes should have access to. This vehicle. Needs a specialized crew. I think, I think it's worth giving it some thought, Robbie. Who are you going to put in that vehicle? Mm, I think I'd like to pit my battle wagon up against your Cobra Earthquake, Paulie. Mine just looks cooler. That's why it's going to win. <laughs> okay. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I don't know. 
The- Which do you uh, think looks prettier, Rob? <laughs> I think they're both rubbish, so I have no It's <laughs> fine. They're so ugly. I don't know, dude. I think the the earthquake, I mean, I was looking at it properly, and I know a lot of people go on about neon and stuff. I mean, they could have gone worse with the colors, and I really like the balance of purples and orange and green. But I think the thing that, like, the sort of most standout feature with the earthquake is it's very heavily armored, and you could use that that front scoop. You could lift it up just enough so that it could protect the driver, so the driver could get, like, a bead on the battle wagon, and essentially put that that uh, portion up in front of it, and that can sustain quite a lot of damage. And all it needs to do is really just ram, you know, like ram the the battle wagon into a position that uh, that is advantageous for it. Like it could just smash it around a bit, sort of, you know, apply stress on the drivers. Hey, Paul, do you know what this sound is? Yeah, it's that big rocket launcher thing. <laughs> That's uh, how quickly eight missiles can be dispensed by the multiple missile launcher on top of the battle wagon. Yeah. That's quite a bit of firepower hurtling at you. I think Dozer Blade or none, you're going down, punk. But that Dozer Blade is going to do quite a lot in terms of sustaining that damage. I mean, construction vehicles, which is essentially what the Earthquake is based on, they are very hardy. They... I mean, they might not be designed with, like, redundancies in terms of, like, well, in the same sort of vein as a military vehicle. But, I mean, if you're converting it into a vehicle or something that's going to be used to fight with, it's a pretty tough machine. And it can do, it can take, a, it can soak up a lot of heat. And if it doesn't want to do that, it can still get a fairly good drop on its target with the mortars, you know. And uh, I don't care how armored the battle wagon is. That thing's still going to take a lot of heat if it starts getting hit with like incendiary incendiary rounds from afar. You know, like an earthquake can start walking some of those rounds up. I, I, I would I would concede that if one of those mortars was to hit the battle wagon, yeah, that's it. It's toast. Yeah, so but yeah, you gotta hit it first. And this thing's built to carry a lot of ordnance, built to carry a complement of infantry but also built for all-terrain capability and speed over all-terrain. Like, it, it is built to carry all of that stuff over some pretty impressive terrain. I mean, both these vehicles have enormous tires. The battle wagon just happens to have rubber on those tires, but, you know, that's besides the point at this point. Um, they are going to be able to traverse some pretty treacherous terrain, and at speed, no less. Yeah. But I think in a combat situation... That dozer blade is just going to weigh you down, man. It's going to do you no good in uh, in terms of maneuvering for position. Oh, perhaps, but like, we, but also, you know, that thing is very agile for essentially a dozer. I mean, you know, it's it's got that bend in it. You know, it can it's it's got a bend in the middle, so it's actually more agile than a normal dozer is. Like, and and it looks like it's designed for a bit more speed, the way that it's sort of put together. Oh, I forgot about the articulation point. Yeah, it's well, buddy, that's that's a, another chink in your armor, I'm afraid. But it's well covered. Mm. It's not something that's easy to get to. It's uh okay. Yeah, I think. It, well, let's see what everyone else has to say. Cooch, you got a you got an opinion you'd like to share? I'm sitting this one out, guys. Oh, okay. Well, then, Paul goes for the earthquake. Steve yeah. goes for the battle wagon. Rob doesn't care. Okay, it's a tie. Uh, that's also something, sorry, and it's not something I picked up at Jocon. I mean, it's something that we got to open up 
in my house when we got back from the States. But the earthquake is something that has always caught my eye. Like, I've always thought it was an interesting vehicle, like, for what it is. I've never, like, looked at it and gone, oh, that's crap. I've always gone, wow, that's actually one of the cool things from the 90s. Um, and it is really cool. Like, it's actually shocking. I mean, okay, I'm scared of saying this now because I'm pretty sure the prices are going to go up. But there's very few of them available on eBay, and they're actually very cheap. You know, they're very well priced. I know this because I was looking for a part for mine, a replacement piece for mine. And um, I can't find that piece unless I buy a whole vehicle. And admittedly, the vehicle isn't actually that expensive. You know, it's it's a great it's a great toy for very little expense. And if you're the, a Joe collector who has kids, well, your kids are going to love the crap out of that toy. Because I know as a kid, I would have. <laughs> the kid in me loves a little it. surprise that I found about the battle wagon yeah. is remove the turret and there's a personnel seat in there complete with like a computer screen oh wow that's a handy little surprise and you can actually seat a guy in there put the turret in over him and he's completely enclosed in this kind of command station I do like that a great deal it's kind of like what they did with the his 5 you know they exactly you know, status update cool. shooting some guns or um <laughs> shooting some guns I Roger, think Roger. I think a similar thing with the maggots except the maggots you can't put a guy down there <laughs> sorry what's so I went funny straight about there. that I was just like it just sounded terrible in my head I was like oh god that's funny why am I laughing oh because I'm a big child <laughs> All right, I, I'm I'm intrigued by uh, this last little matchup that we got going uh, out of our Jocon and and other destinations swag. You know that we acquired a MCC, Paul's mm. MCC, but you might not know that GI Joburg also got a 1992 headquarters. Now, if these two legendary bases were locked in combat with one another. Uh, which would be the more formidable fortification? Oh, wow. That is a... Diff- oh, one of them can't move. <laughs> so, you know. Well, it can transform. Yeah, it can transform. I mean, it, it's Fort Carrion. <laughs> but it's like, you, you know, like, to really stress it, I mean, if we really have to make these battle, which, as far as I'm concerned, they really don't have to. But, hey, you know, whatever, let's have fun with it. And this, I know that I'm a fanboy for the MCC, but I'm going to say the MCC just because it's it's basically, in terms of a war of attrition, the MCC can literally just roll. It can always change its position, which changes the strategy, which means that the the HQ basically has to sort of redesign its its strategy in how to deal with the, with an, with the MCC. It has to kind of go... Okay, it's moved there now. Now it's going to do this. Now we have to move guys here, point guns there, get stuff going on here. It's kind of like a, for me, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's like, it's kind of like a tent versus a motorbike. You know, both have, let's just say they both have guns <laughs> to you at. Except the tent happens to possess a full complement of talking battle commandos. Ninja Force <laughs> and DEF members. I mean, like, could there be a more potent tent pole than those three teams? Well, that's the thing, you know. I mean, you've got Gung Ho, who's just blue, you know, in the MCC um, with uh, Sneak Peek and Jinx and the gang. 
<laughs> and Battle Force 2000. Don't discount those uh, winners. Yeah, well, Operation... I don't know, Paulie. No, I mean, dude, like, I, I, I must be honest. Like, for me, to even, the thought of just putting them up against each other, I, I just can't. I mean, I can say I'll uh, go MCC. Um, in terms of toys, yeah, I... I, it's difficult to say. I think they're very much on par in, in terms of being toys. I think they very evenly matched. There's something about Ford Carrium that I really like. Ooh, yeah. Could it be the detail on that sculpting? Oof, a lot of Rob that, and I were going over it with uh, a fine-toothed comb the other night. And did you know that in the jail cell, there's a teeny tiny little bunk bed, hmm? but there's also a sink with a sculpted tap. What? That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I am. I must say, as far as Rob's scores go, I am also kind of openly envious of the uh, Havoc and the HQ, because I think they're both awesome. I mean, I love my MCC, and I love what I can do with my MCC. But those are two very cool toys that you guys got there. Well, do you have uh, anything you'd like to say about the MCC versus the HQ? The MCC wins because it can move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, very good. I mean, you know, it just kind of comes around the back, and the, the 92 HQ has no defense against that. Yeah, it doesn't have a back wall, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter how many people you, you know, you put in your 92 HQ, whether you put all the ninjas in the world. I mean, the mobility is what will win this. There we go, Rob's coming in to save the day for the MCC. Represent! (laughs) (laughs) Even though the HQ is his. But don't you know that the 92 HQ can teleport? Can it teleport? Oh my (laughs) word. Totally. Totally can. That is crazy. That's what that flashing light is. That's the teleportation device. Are you kidding? That envelops it. That's the tip of the the mass device. You're making stuff up. Yeah. The cloud of mass device energy descends from that, that glowing light <laughs> and envelops it, and then you can transfer the base anywhere you want. You're not thinking about Provided you've got one of those little... Steve <laughs> <laughs> just wants the big W, man. <laughs> it's G.I. Joe Cannon. No. The, the mass device. Uh, yeah, the mass device is, but Deke is not. Okay. <laughs> What? No, Deke is canon too. Deke has canon. My, my Cobra Commander in battle armor is not a Crimson Guardsman okay. who worked in a garage. <laughs> Forget that. My Cobra Commander in battle armor is a Snake Man. A Snake Man. Wow. I think well, I'm going to rep the HQ in this way. I think to have a good base, you got to have some blind corners for sneak attacks, and you got to have a well-placed jail so people can shit-talk. The MCC has a well-placed jail. Okay, but it also looks like a toolbox. Um, I think. <laughs> yeah, you put the I tools th- in there. I kind of like the. Uh, I kind of like the idea of you know. Remember the Alamo? I don't know if you guys do, but I like the idea of people getting shot off a wall and the next guy up, and you know that kind of. Even if it, even if they go down, it's still a more interesting uh, venue for me. Oh, then you're gonna love that sandbagged emplacement. That kind of like a draw <laughs> uh, you pull it out of the front of the 92 HQ mm. it is so detailed filled with foot pegs it's got like grits and sandbags and like wooden barriers don't take that sand like <laughs> I hope we haven't ruined this for everybody now because I'm very worried that us speaking about the 
this HQ in the, the glowing way that we are is going to, to get some eBay people to go, oh, wow, this toy is actually really cool. You know, I was going to get some people to go, oh, wow, this is a really cool toy. And then all of a sudden the sales are going to spike, which means that one day if Paul maybe wanted to get one, he's going to have to sell a real house for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, of course. I don't think we have that much sway. I just like to joke. But I, 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 I would like to think that we, we made a small impact on Barracuda sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still saw a mint in box one at Jocon that was going nowhere. <laughs> so I, I don't know if we made enough of a dent in, in the Barracuda's popularity. Or spike, I should say. Yeah. Uh, weird to back end with this, but uh, I've got some new shit beyond the Jocon swag. Mm. I went to yeah. Toys R Us's closing down sale in uh, in Australia, and it was a strange and sobering thing to see a Toys R Us like looking like it had been hit by the zombie apocalypse. Shelves just empty, M- you know, mismatched toy lines occupying the same shelf because you know as stock is sold off at ridiculously low prices you know they move the remaining stock towards the front of the store leaving just this cavernous space of empty uh shelves with like like emergency tape uh keeping people from going down the aisles like caution tape it's like they don't want people climbing up the fixtures and possibly murdering themselves (laughs) (laughs) oh the fixtures were all for sale as well i mean that was part of the fire sale very telling that in the lego aisle well, what was left at that stage? All the cool sets were gone. The only thing left were those, uh, left were those, um, Chirut Imwe, <laughs> like, you could build the figure. No, those, like, bionicle you know the thingies. They're like bionicles, yeah. They are terrible. And that's, yeah, no, it's not Lego. Come on. Nothing quite like post capitalism. <laughs> yeah, me. Any hooch, I walked out with a PTE missile truck. Like, it's like an anti-aircraft missile launcher. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a movable fan site, basically. Exactly. And it's fantastic. I mean, it's the perfect vehicle for your October Guard guys to man. Because, you know, the Soviets deployed so many anti-aircraft missile launchers. And these missiles are ferocious. I've got a number of analogous things. Uh, G.I. Joe never yielded a cool thing like this. I mean, the adder is the closest it came. And if anyone's seen the adder in the flesh, they know that it's, it's, it's pint size. This thing, to put it in perspective, if you lop the cab off the Rolling Thunder, so everything from the cab back, that's the length of this vehicle. Wow. It's the length of, like, the ICBM chamber all the way back to the, the end of the vehicle with the uh, the cannon. Some big ass And toy. not that it has a cannon. I mean, it fires... It, it doesn't fire. It has two uh, surface-to-air missiles. Meaty-looking missiles, I tell you. And a cool camo pattern to top it off. It has a great ratchet on the missiles. I'll demonstrate for your ears. Oh, yeah. That's it going into a vertical position. No floppy missiles there. No, no, this thing is not gonna gonna flop down anytime soon. Rotates a full 360, elevates to yeah, almost 90 degrees, and it's rock solid, man. It's fantastic. Oh, it surprised me because the cab, well, it's a spacious, spacious truck cab. You'd expect two figures to fit in comfortably. 
it's got seating behind the the driver's seating as well. So you can put two more guys back there. Wow. How cool is that? Love me some surprise nooks. If only we had more than, like, Red Star. (laughs) You know? Hey, I've got Red Star and Big Bear. Yeah, so now we just need Brokoff and Dinah and, you know. They never made those guys in the classic run. I know, and it's so weird. That is one of, like, G.I. Joe's mysteries. I don't know why they did that or why they never did that. I also got the uh, uh, Last Jedi A-Wing. Uh-oh. Did you hear that? Uh-oh. Time? You know he's excited about that. Then an A-Wing? Holy shit. I'm used to the Power of the Force release of the A-Wing. Which, okay, the A-Wing's always going to be a nimble, small craft. But it shouldn't feel insubstantial. You know, it should still feel thick in the right places and rounded in the right places and allow your figure to sit upright in it. All of which the Power of the Force one does. Plus the all-important, like, very practical, very realistic uh, features, that being pull a lever and the landing gear deploys, all three struts, and the landing gear fits flush into the belly of the craft with no, like, landing gear hang-down syndrome. And also, it's got a radical feature that the canopy pops up if you pull back a lever. Uh, man... This new A-Wing is wafer thin. It has one non-functional landing gear. Non-functional being there's no mechanism that releases it. You've got to release it manually. And it doesn't fold all the way in because there's just not enough hull for it to fold into. It just is totally insubstantial, man. And while it's nice to have a shiny new A-Wing, I mean, the canopy glass is very beautiful. I like the pilots. In fact, in spite of her being a five-point of articulation figure, she's cool with a like a very nice transparent orange uh, lens over her eyes. Um, she kind of has to recline in the cockpit, or at least the seating suggests she does. You can kind of pull the figure up to a slightly approaching 90-degree sit, but uh, the seat is like super reclined. And the packaging is utter deception. They increase the size of the figure in the photograph relative to the vehicle in such a misleading fashion. I can't believe... And Star Wars is being... Hasbro has been doing that with their Star Wars line for a while now. Mm. Because they've been making these very dinky vehicles and increasing their size on the packaging. What's strange is that they... They didn't increase the figure size. They diminished the figure size relative to the vehicle to make the vehicle look larger. And you get it out of the package, and it's it's a complete fabrication. And I'm surprised they're getting away with that, because um, a few people have actually called them out on that. Uh, I remember... I can't remember the vehicle that we were talking about, Steve. It was a while ago, but you had sort of it mentioned was, that. It uh, was Anakin Skywalker's Jedi Starfighter. Yes, it could have been that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that, yeah. And, like, the photograph actually, like, they they went one step further. Because on this uh, A-Wing box back, Tally, the figure, uh, is sort of standing outside of the vehicle. And they've kind of made her smaller. With the Jedi Starfighter scenario, they actually had Anakin in the cockpit. But once again, they've doctored the image. (laughs) I mean, you can tell that he's not actually sitting in there. That they've kind of photoshopped him in. And they've diminished the size of the figure relative to the cockpit. So it is, once again, just layers of deception. Damn, man. Come on, Hasbro. 
evil. Anyway, so comparing it to the classic uh, A-Wing mold, which is a beaut, this thing just doesn't hold a candle. But I need an A-Wing in my life. It's one of the classic starfighters that uh, I have always lacked. But uh, I still lack it because this is a poor substitute. Fortunately, it was on like fire sale at the closing down of a Toys R Us. So I got it for very little, but still. Like for a song. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was just to, I suppose, uh, uh, if nothing more, just confirm my fears uh, as to how far the Star Wars toys have slid. I mean, you can see it more obviously in the big ticket items. You know that when you're buying a Millennium Falcon and the box comfortably fits under your arm, that you're not getting a very substantial Millennium Falcon. But with something like the A-Wing... They could still get it right. Mm. No caper. But they didn't. So, boo. <laughs> boo, Hasbro. Shame on you. <laughs> oh, speaking of, like, cool Star Wars stuff, was it, it It was a Blix art store that we walked into, hey, when we were... There was that one massive art shop we went to while we were still on the road. And it was really refreshing to see Star Wars model kits being sold at an art store. I mean, aside from the fact that the art store itself was magnificent. Yeah, they had everything. Right. <laughs> I mentioned Sneak Peek earlier, right? And because I've been watching Castle Rock, and if you guys don't know what Castle Rock is, it's a TV series that is sort of based in... The best way to explain it, it kind of feels like all of Stephen King's stuff sort of put together, but not really. It's like... It's just it's a very Stephen King-feeling series that is very much based on Stephen King's mythology or on the mythology that he's created. I believe it's the fictitious city that a lot of his books take place in, that including is Cujo. <laughs> including Cujo. And, and what is the name of that um, city, do you know? I mean, aside from it being called Castle Rock, do you know where Castle Rock is, uh, Cujo? Uh, no. What do you got? It's in Maine. <laughs> All of the stories take place in Maine, and... Having watched Castle Rock recently, I was like, well, Sneak Peek is a toy sort of done, well, it was based on Stephen King's son. So I was like, it would be really interesting if they made his birthplace Maine. And I keep meaning to check this out, and I actually finally went and did it, and yeah, it is. He's, uh, if you look at his original file card, he comes from Maine. Which is pretty cool, actually. Are you suggesting <laughs> that G.I. Joe has layers? <laughs> No, but it's really cool. It's like I was like, oh wow, what a town to come from, you know. No wonder he's uh, a sneak peeking type of dude. I mean, he has to keep his eyes open. But yeah, I thought that was a fun bit of trivia. You know, just had to throw that out there for those of us that are listening that are fans of Stephen King. Are we uh, are we on parting shots, Stephen? I think it's that time of the podcast, gentlemen. Unless anyone else has a burning topic they want to burn through before we part company. I'll take that as a no. Uh, what do you got for us, Cooge? Um, I just suddenly blanked because a car drove by. <laughs> Doesn't take much, huh? <laughs> I think what 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 comes after JoeCon? You know, some people decompress. I did talk to uh, Top Shelf um, after we got back, and we kind of pondered the question. You know, where do you go from here? Uh, I I, I think that this podcast is starting to find some ears, like. I'm not going to get into the metadata, but you can tell what, when stuff's getting downloaded and where it's getting downloaded. Um, but I think I think J- JoeNet, the, the parts that make the whole are interesting. Um, but do we have the, the right tools to frame a great network? Or what does that mean? Or, or, or what is the goal? You know, 
So I think for me, I've looked at the platforms. I think I'm, I mentioned Twitch a while ago. Uh, I think it's about six months in the future. Give it a year. It's probably going to be the hottest platform. Maybe not for the people that YouTube attracts, stuff like that. But if you're on a creative project, nobody crowdfunds better. Network 1 through 100 is on the same page because it's a streaming network. And, yes, it's marketed as a gaming kind of people do get loose on there. You know, people express themselves physically, all that. But what it is, it's a real-time streaming network, which you can field questions. And the politics that, that kind of overwhelm YouTube haven't, haven't risen up. So I'm going to give that a look. And also, uh, it's worth mentioning, uh, I don't want to speak on it, but uh, that, that thing with the Guardians of the Galaxy and that guy getting pinched for his old tweets, every network has a lot of different people in it. And Jonet has more variety than most. Here's the real trick that I think I'm looking at. What's your true birthday? When did you get online? Because everybody's learning this, the final layer of humanity at the same time. People are going to bump, you know, people are going to say stupid shit online. People won't leverage that until it's time to. So if you got to do some house cleaning, do it. Be smart, network. Take a look at Twitch, because I'm going to use it as just a conversational thing. And maybe it works for you. Maybe husband and wife teams. Uh, I think Joburg might look at it. It's just a real slick platform. And in the, in the way of crowdfunding, once you become like a Twitch affiliate or something like that, their app has a tip button, a fucking tip button. Uh, that's I think I've said enough. But I didn't so, game in some beer. Well, the thing about no, I know it, I, I watch a lot of I I do occasionally watch retro game streams on on Twitch now, and I see like the tips coming in. I'm like, wow, that guy's getting tips for playing games. What a it's world. a good network, and and like. You can't say that about too many things. You can say that about Jonah. Like, Jonah is smart. Like, the stuff that's that's consuming Star Wars right now, those politics, we cleaned house. And you know about that because we spoke on it back in 99. Like, G.I. Jonah is smart. What's the next level? Uh, I think it's a question worth asking, and uh, we'll, we'll see what develops. Groovy. Other gentlemen still with us? Oh, yeah. How about you, Robbie? I was about to say, I thought Kujo killed you. Not yet. <laughs> nah, just listen to the uh, the good words. Thank you, brother. Is there anything, quickly, before we run out, is there anything you guys regretted? Um, like, you saw something, and you feel like you should have picked it up, and you didn't, and you're sorry that you didn't go back to go and get it. You know, something stupid like a toy, or, or something. Like, is there anything you... And when I say regret, I don't mean like, oh, I re-, you know, like these major regrets. But I mean, is there something that you like sort of got back and then maybe you thought you bought it, but you didn't actually. And, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, damn, I didn't yeah, pick that up. Weird, frivolous ones always rise to the top of the pile. Like thinking about the G.I. Joe video game and how much I've always coveted having each one of the figures represented by those all too cool 8-bit sprites, and I recall holding a 90s roadblock in the palm of my hand in one of those beta bins, 
and then just are taking casually this. letting him slide back into the bin. I don't know why I, why I did, did I do things. that. I don't know why. Two, two bucks fifty for a loose figure with no accessories. Hell, his accessories are garbage anyway. <laughs> no, they weren't. That spinning, <laughs> you know, that the, in, yeah, the impossible. Oh, the child killing uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was like, well, it was, you know, it's a, a, a launching helicopter thing that makes him one of the rarest figures uh, known to man. But like, I'm, I speak mo- more specifically about his machine gun. Like, I would have taken that '90s uh, roadblock and given him the classic Marduce anyway. Mm. Like, I'm not going to give him anything other than his classic signature weapon. Even 1986 roadblocks included weapon was never featured in any of the comic book appearances. Um, which is why, like, once again, I would I would get that figure without any accessories gladly. Mm. I'm not a completionist. I like my figures to uh, equip their 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 classic weapons as opposed to be, you know, bubble accurate. But uh, mm. I I don't know why it just struck me as one of those deep regrets, got- <laughs> or not so deep, very <laughs> frivolous, shallow regret. But like that particular figure, I wanted that figure. Why didn't I make him mine? Why did I walk out with another mainframe? Anyways, that's me. You know, you gotta well, back up your hardware. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. This, this, this. Too much to mention. Um, I'm just so poor that I couldn't afford half of what I would have liked to have gotten. So. I totally hear you. Uh, there's a, 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 a like a sort of transforming mecha exosuit type thing that um, jumps to mind quite a bit. That, that's something that I would have loved to have picked up. I just didn't have the money for it or didn't want to spend that kind of money on it. Another thing that I would have loved to have picked up, um, but it's, I didn't want to buy it then because I was kind of like, well, it's before Jocon, and I wanted to see what Jocon had to offer. But they had some acid rain vehicles at Kokomo that I was kind of keen on, having been a fan of the acid rain stuff since its inception, you know, since its uh, sort of launch into the toy world. It's weird. It's like kind of an expensive curiosity because I'm super keen to see what they're like, you know, as toys. You know, I love the design and I don't think that I, I feel like if I bought them, I wouldn't have really lost out. But it's one of those things where I'm like, OK, that would have been nice to get. But ironically, also that roadblock um, that Stephen was talking about. In fact, I was behind hmm. him. I think I was behind you or in front of you. I looked at it and then I put it down for some reason. Or you looked at it and then you put it down. Then I picked it up and I was like, they must, uh, I can't remember. I just don't know why I didn't commit to buying it. And it's like I'm kicking myself for it. Crimson Gods. I was really dumb. I should have just picked up a Crimson God. Okay, fine. They're $30. I could have maybe made a plan. But uh, I just could kick myself for not picking up a CG. I need one of those in my life, you know. I'm curious, Paul, and if you don't want to answer the question, I can easily cut this Uh but what did you spend in terms of Hero and Dara at uh, at Joker? Well, to be fair, I had about four, I I had about four hundred dollars to spend, or well, that I put aside for myself to spend. Mm-hmm. I spent four hundred dollars. <laughs> so two seventy of that was Butterfingers. <laughs> no, 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 no. The that I separated my money for that. So I had Candy money budget. for for toys, and then I had money for living, for like Respect. food and. Yeah, so I spent about four hundred. Very sensible, very adult. I try. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Although I gotta say, it almost fell apart on me when I bought that uh, tiger rat, 
because uh, yeah, uh, luckily I got my salary sort of just after JoeCon, which is kind of like a blessing in disguise. But if I had gotten my salary while I was at JoeCon, I think my spending at JoeCon budget would have been higher. Because I remember when I went, my mom sort of asked me like, you know, how much money am I looking at spending at JoeCon? And I said, this is the budget. And she's like, holy shit. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm going there for. I'm like, I'm never going to have the opportunity to be around that much American plastic, um, I, at least as far mm. as I can see. So I'm going. To- and when you consider the shipping is effectively paid for, I mean, exactly. like we are the shipment container. We our our airline ticket is the shipping. Exactly. And and we get to ship ourselves too. <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, I get to watch people read their books with the fucking light on when it's meant to be sleepy time for everybody else on the plane. Anyway, <laughs> don't you just hate that? That guy. Oh, shame. It's just a kid. But anyway, um, but yeah, like that was it. I went there and that was that is also why, surprisingly, I didn't go and buy like a lot of Gundam because there were a lot of times when I'd seen Gundam stuff at Midnight Comics and at um, our listeners. You guys will see it in one of the documentaries. I go to Gundam Planet. Um, there are a lot of things that I could have easily dropped dollar on. And I mean, the sensible side of it was like, well, you know, I can get them from other sources uh, maybe perhaps cheaper, you know, but they are much harder to find. You know, some of those things are quite difficult to find now. And then also the shipping thing, as Stephen mentioned. I mean, you know, there were so many shiny men and things like that. I was just like, wow, I'm going to buy this. But then I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to hold back. I'm just not going <laughs> to because now I'm like, now I have to come back to America. <laughs> you know, I have to come back to come check out these places. So many unbought toys. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, Paul. Yeah. You're a man of many vices, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> and on that sombering note, <laughs> a sobering note, sombering, I think that's acceptable, isn't it? I think it both works. Sometimes I, 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 I out-talk myself. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, G.I. Joe Burgers all, this is Steve, and I bid you adieu, and uh, we'll get back to some more formal topics shortly, but... I think it's important at this stage to just once again reflect on the time that was because, man, it's it's going to be memories that uh, I will never forget. Mm-hmm. And I got to experience it with you three criminals. Incredible. I'd love to be able to tell eight-year-old me sitting there watching cartoons with G.I. Joe in each hand and say to him, my boy, those cool toys that you have in your hands will one day not only get you overseas, but get you into the event that, like, it's just Jovana, as you said, Paul. <laughs> like, this this stuff is your future, Stephen. And this isn't a frivolous little play thing. Enjoy, boy. Your destiny awaits. It sure as hell explains all of the weird dreams about going into G.I. Joe toy shops that I've had, is all I'm saying, so. I'm all tapped out, but thank you, everybody, for letting me vent on a semi-regular basis. You guys are probably why I'm sane, to a degree. (laughs) And also, like, this is what I think about G.I. Joe. Like, obviously, it's a feast for the mind, but your body's a vessel, and your hands and fingers are the roots of that vessel. And, like, we've been posing characters our whole lives. 
That kind of makes us like plastic gods. <laughs> Alright, I think I'm done. <laughs> I like that. Oh, uh, thank you guys. Thank you. Power to your plastic gods. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to this my guy. It's been a good <laughs> episode. Yeah. Mm. Until we see each other again, this is Paul saying goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Robert. Goodbye, Robert. Out. So long, everybody. <laughs>